hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who Commentaries podcast. You may be wondering what that jaunty little tune was that was just playing just then. Were you wondering, Joe? That's a very bizarre piece of music. Not what I'm used <laughs> to at the beginning of these episodes. Is it one that you're, and I don't know if you really, we haven't talked about this yet, whether you're even familiar with it, but for a lot of us of a certain age, State of Decay was a Doctor Who story that existed on the amazing format of audiobook at a time when no other Doctor Who that we could get hold of did. Maybe there was the Pescatons, and, and oh, actually, there was Genesis too, wasn't it? But anyway, it was for, for age, no, because it wasn't a soundtrack with people acting. It was Tom Baker reading a book. I and, had it on cassette. Back when yeah. cassettes were a thing, right? And I'm going to tell you a, tra- a tale of tragedy now, because I mm. love that. We're in the beginning, Tom Baker's like, Doctor Who, stupid. <laughs> I, I always yeah. remember his voice. Yeah. At the and I'll tell you what, one day I overplayed it so much, it got chewed up in the machine, right? But, you know, obviously you get a pencil out and you wind it up yeah. with a pencil, yeah? Yep, yep, yep. No. Skills. It was, it was chewed beyond recognition. And the tape, I kept it. But Just like a... Almost as if it was a, a treasured magnetic data file from the old times that had yeah. somehow got corrupted, eh? Imagine think, if that sort of thing would happen. Was there an LP of that? I'm not sure if it ever came out on LP. I'm have to Google and check. It was a bridge but, um, song, wasn't it? It was shorter. Than... Yeah, and it wasn't the, um, it isn't the Target book. It was, um, it was um, another special, it was specially written to just be like an hour long or whatever it is. Was it's he written so by brief. Yes, and it's so brief. It's just all the scenes that, that the Doctor and Romana are in, pretty much, written from the Doctor's point of view. Adric hardly gets a mention. He, get, he literally gets, um, he's in it at the start and at the end. But he doesn't get to do anything, if I remember rightly. And, um, That's Terry yeah, Fitz writing the version of the story he wanted to write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably the version that, yeah, before or before he had to add him. Yeah. But what is so, that um, yeah, all about? Did they just not have the rights to the Doctor Who theme then? Yeah, well, they, well they, they would have had to pay for it, I suppose. And they're like, no, nah, oh. it's fine. We'll, we'll knock something up. <laughs> yeah. They surely did, honey. They surely did. <laughs> I mean, um, but now... oh, sorry, go on. No, what are you going to say? Yeah, well, no, I'm just, so this is 29th of November, 1980. And uh, I know, again, on this evening, my seven-year-old self is sitting down, excited to watch Wurzel's Wager on ITV, where Wurzel Gummidge is going to learn all about gambling. And that'll be followed by another exciting space adventure for Bug Rogers. Don't know what's on BBC One, don't care. You honestly, God, get out of you, get hand in your fan stripes now, you know. I should tell you something, right? Yeah. Do you know how old I was in November 1980? Oh, embryo. No, I was alive. <laughs> well, you I, was, were. Well I was all of five months old. <laughs> oh, well, pretty much embryo. And I know for a fact that my mum was watching this. So I was probably sitting on her knee, Aww. breastfeeding whilst, whilst she was watching uh, State of Decay. So even at five months old, I hadn't sold out to oh. Rogers. All right. God, the, me- the mental image. God. She obviously did <laughs> My a lot. Of, she obviously did a lot of but, damage. <laughs> well, but I'm just imagining you exactly as you are now, except baby sized. <laughs> I don't know why. I was very cute <laughs> as a baby. I like, I've got pictures. I'll show you. The beard really suited you. <laughs> Thank you. Not like my sister. Oh, she was ugly, Mary, as a baby. Oh, my God. Honest to God. You know you know how everyone's... Oh, sorry, no, it's not to be a state of care, but I just have to talk about this very quickly. You know how mm-hmm. people always say, you know, oh, all babies are really cute. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. That's an absolute lie. I saw a picture of a baby the other day who's a friend of a friend of a friend. It's mm. the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you scream? Did you scream like Mel in um, 
Delta and the Bannermen when the baby comes out. It looked a bit like that baby from Delta and the Men. Anyway, yeah, my sister looked like that. It's nothing to do with State of Decay, but there we go. There we go. Um, so uh, I know in, <laughs> in your extensive role as researcher for Hansel with a Blunt Pen Knife that you know precisely what the ratings were for this episode. I do. This episode got ooh, 5.3 million. Um, which sounds not it does there, but then it's the chart placing. It got to number. Take a guess where it got in the top 100. It wasn't. I bet it was like 25 <laughs> or something like that. I tried to ah, I tried to get you. God, it number 136. Shit in hell. That's and, not great, is it? And the worst is yet to come. Uh, but but Buck Buck Rogers was just slaying it in the ratings. It got five million, five point three. Uh, State of decay. That's not that's not terrible by modern standards, but by those type days it was bad. But Rogers was getting 12, 13 million at the same time on ITV. Just but you know what's interesting? is uh, in the very next story in Warriors Gate, that trend went in the other direction. Warriors Gate gets 8.3 million by the end of uh, episode four. Yeah. Um, and I think, so I think there, there was interest building this season. And mm. I think Legopolis did quite well, like seven, between seven and eight million as well. Um, yeah, Buck Rogers just slayed them, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was i don't know Rogers the one who was like bitty, bitty, bitty. Is that that one? that's right Took, oh, yeah yes. yeah he's got, an, got an annoying robot that follows him around doctor who was there doing that first <laughs> well, <before laughs> him, anyway. <laughs> well let's see about the adventures of k9 then shall we mm, yeah because he's done actually he's done a little bit so far hasn't he you got to meet um got to meet adric he gets to shoot loads of people in episode four amazing. <laughs> one person gets shot falls down and rolls across the set it's incredible so that's the way to do it. You've got to get your money's worth. Not like the people the year before in Destiny, where the, the Daleks, where they're not even bothering to they look laugh, sad. They, they yeah. sit down. Yeah. Having a party. Anyway. Well, this, state like... isn't go this state isn't going to decay itself, Jokes, if we've got to get started. I I I've been ready for hours. It's you <laughs> talking. Honestly. <laughs> okay. Let's, Let's crack on. Episode uh, two in, in... five, oh. four, three, mm -hmm. two, one, go. I was ready on that button, mate. All right, you can't get one over on me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, here we go. Episode two. What are we? Oh, the bats coming down on the strings. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But then, and then intercut with real bats, and it did. It was just like, oh look, there's some bats. <laughs> but then it leads. It means. It's kind of like that means it's a vampire episode. Oh my God! You got to have bats. You got to in a vampire story. <laughs> Um, it leads into that fabulous scene between the Doctor Romano and, and the two who rule, um, mm. Zarg Zargo and Camilla, and the quadrille um, choreography. Do you remember? Uh, oh, yes. Peter Moffat talks about yeah. how Tom Baker was very confused about how to play this. And then he, uh, Peter Moffat mm. says, well, it's like a quadrille dance that you will basically all go around the room one at a time. Mm. It's beautifully done if you oh. watch it. Now, now, there's a thing for Strictly. Strictly has got a, someone on Strictly should do a Paddy Kingsden, Paddy Kingsland quadrille state of decay. <laughs> do you reckon you could do like a jazzed up version? Like, yeah, that could be done as like a tango. <laughs> they have done a Doctor Who on Strictly, you know. It was Jodie Whittaker and a Cyberman dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, was, Kevin, that was a tango, wasn't it? Yeah. Kevin Clifton from Grimsby, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, look at this great big old. Uh, I love a, a dead tree, a massive great big tree stump to go and hide behind. Do oh, you just love playing back in, in forests? I really, I, I still do it now. 
<laughs> yeah. woodland and just walk. And I did, did I get, I was going to say it in the last episode, I can't remember if I actually got to saying it, but I've always imagined Cybermen in the woods looking really cool. Um, the, uh, sort of looking out, coming out from behind, sneaking out from behind a tree. It would just look you've really had good. that now, haven't you? You've With had it. Silver and, what am I forgetting? Uh, World Enough of Time. Yeah, of course, that battle, yeah, although that's more of a sort of like a battle scene, which isn't quite what I was picturing. But yeah, yeah, no, you're right, yeah, that, that's straight out of my, uh, oh, back at the Blue Peter train set with the, yes. <laughs> I love, look, look they make all, did you remember on Blue Peter how they used to, yeah, oh, with the hall, yeah, the yeah, big scene. Yeah, yeah, that's a That's the sort of thing, you can pause that with a non-fan and go, did you know the top half of that is actually just painted on glass, and they'll be impressed. Well, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit less, it, um, do you remember when they did it in Android's Atara and added the turrets to the castle? It's oh, a bit yeah. obvious in that because the turrets are a different colour from the rest of the castle, whereas that's oh, okay, done extremely well. Yeah. Do you know what, right? I could just. Uh, no, I mean, and I can't. Um, it's just unimaginable levels of talent to be able to do that. Oh, is this what you're talking about? Is this the quadrille? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we what, go. Like a mincing in together. And there's some, there's some lovely. This is where you get that line about quite right. Nothing worse than peasants with indigestion. <laughs> Rich affair will just distress them. I mean, I can imagine <laughs> Boris Johnson saying that, you know. Yeah, yeah they definitely both went to Eton, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> the design of their and, costumes and the beard it, it's got. It, it's a, it is a lovely um, counterbalancing, isn't it, of, of these two pairs of aristocratic people? Because I think they are even very aristocratic. Even though to Tom's a rebel, but he's still, I think, a, and, and the actor himself is, is, is very... Is, uh, you know, from a real working class background, obviously, but he's um, the doctor still is, I, I think, a, an aristocratic rebel who's playing up to the Lord, Time Lord side of his name. And so these two meeting these these two, uh, this king and queen is so different to if it was. Imagine if it was McCoy and Ace, it would just oh, be the dynamic no, would be utterly yeah. different, wouldn't it? Completely. Yeah. Um, what are they serving up today? It looks like salami, some some chicken cuts. Oh, that's a nice bit uh, of oh, quiche. Oh, there you go. There's some cheese. Oh, lots of cheese. There's now, the cheese. locals didn't know. Yeah. So, oh, well, so is this the class system? This this cheese is only for the... Uh, You're going to have dog. to be nobility, I'm afraid. If you want cheese. <laughs> Which unfortunately means... Okay, there's a question for you then. Are you well, I am descended sell... from royalty. Are you willing to sell your soul for some gorgonzola? Uh yes. Okay. <laughs> if I can get a good price on it. You'll sell your soul for less than that. Oh sorry. <laughs> oh, somebody's cut their finger in front of a vampire. Isn't oh, it? <laughs> oh here we get look the, the lesbian overtones. Come, let me suck your thumb. <laughs> no, I think that's deliberate because there are definite uh lesbian overtones in horror horror movies, isn't there? Yeah, uh, overtones is under is underplaying it. Yeah, yeah. Overtones and, and just tones generally <laughs> yeah and i think the original novel about camilla the vampire um which was a rival to dracula in its time for popularity was um I sworn there was pretty... one isn't there one hammer horror movie where ingrid pitts playing scissor sisters with somebody i swear to god i don't know if i've seen i didn't realize they had that music back then oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you witty fool there's a lot of food in this oh meanwhile there? adric's got gruel <laughs> No, that's, that's not a roll. That's stew, surely. Yeah, that is me. Mm. Oh, I don't mind a bit of casserole. I think it's gruelly. <laughs> it looks gruelly to me. I definitely would rather be having the nice um, charcuterie platter at the um, at the castle, to be honest. <laughs> well, these <peasants laughs> nice bit of nice bit of rag rolling on the walls to uh, to infer damp. Why don't they do that? Oh uh, yeah. 
It's like my bedroom, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Full of scabby peasants. No, there's a bit of damp just up there in the corner. I, oh, I see. We keep trying to get rid of it, but it keeps coming back. It keeps fighting back. Oh, well, never mind. So, okay, I've got to ask you a question about Terror Sticks. Yes. Well, Terror Sticks, uh, the script editor, and Terror Sticks, the writer. Now, obviously, he gave us Robot, the War Games. He gave us Horror Fan Rock, State of Decay, The Five Doctors, uh, numerous Target novels and original novels. Like, do you rate Terrence Dix? <laughs> what kind of question is that? Of course well, I rate Terrence Dix. No, no, I think we've gone to a point now where hmm. people are hard on him sometimes and, and, and they compare him unfairly to people like Robert Holmes and say he's, he's, he's a bit of a hack. There was... <laughs> That's interesting because that you used to get quite a lot of that back in the back in the day when, when the target novels were coming out in the eighties, and um, uh, the um, oh, Alcon's turning up to make his choice. Oh my god, I love this bit for his master. I want to lean into my microphone and say something to you. Mm. P, come. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. Oh, if I can have a cheese platter, maybe. <laughs> Jesus, I said you'd sell your soul for less. <laughs> it's not Adric's soul that he's. I'll have you know it's more, not less. All right. <laughs> Sorry. There was a saying. time when Terence Dix and, and modern people, modern people, I don't know, people might be shocked to hear this because it's never said. I didn't think it was ever said nowadays. But back in the day, people like Terence Dix. Some of Terence Dix's target novels were. Uh, sort of mocked for their yeah. brevity and yeah, for yeah, just yeah. being, he's he just typing out the script and putting he said and she said in it. But when, he, when he was really turning them out for a while. You and then he, look um, at um, the Doctor Who ratings guide, there are some very hmm. disparaging reviews on there about Terrence Dick's books. Yeah. I suppose him and Robert Holmes, it's a bit like um, McCartney and Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Um, but um, one of them is seen as being the one who was a bit more just just churning stuff out at the time like like and and, and then now it's all completely turned around and, and and everyone is um you know if everyone is i'm being so careful because i don't want to offend anyone by saying the wrong thing about something i don't know much oh, about i never, I never but, bother with that I'll just, I'll <laughs> i know just when, worst podcaster ever but um but yeah, there was a thing where Paul McCartney was the cheesy one and John Lennon was the cool one, was how a lot of people saw it for a long time. And that has now been sort of, that bubble has been burst and people see Paul McCartney for much for being a complete genius. Uh, who Lots of people always did, but some people didn't. But now, yeah. And, and what I'm saying, I think there's a kind of a similar thing with Terrence Dixon and Robert Holmes. Is that, is that actually where you were coming from in the first place? Have I just talked um, myself around saying? Kind of, I mean, I think Robert Holmes is very good. I think um, Terrence Sticks can structure a story better. Um, he he will. T he tends to uh, pay off his uh, in episode four far better than Robert Holmes does on the whole. Um, no, and but I don't really want to compare the two because they both have their strengths. Um, exactly. Yeah, they've just got different styles. With his books, I think that the economy of his writing is extraordinary. Like he can set a scene in a paragraph, and that's that's yeah. a talent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe or maybe he was just in a hurry <laughs> like no, 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 no. Half an hour. Oh, no, no, no i'm joking i'm joking it is it absolutely it doesn't scream on detail he just gets to the point you know like jesus jr yeah. tolkien could learn a thing or two from terence dix spending three, <laughs> three chapters describing a bloody tree you know 
God, Terence Dix is Lord of the Rings. That would be amazing. I would I love to see a Terence Dix novelization of the movie of Lord of the Rings. That would be wonderful. Whilst Russell T. Davis and uh, Stephen Moffat have tried to uh, topple him off the, the throne of being Doctor Who's chief raconteur, Terence Dix is still the best. No one can mm. spin a... Yeah, you've got to shave a third off everything he says because he is exaggerated <laughs> for comic effect, but he tells a great story. Ah, this is the bit where they're talking about the continental shift, isn't it? Uh, the, like the the continental shift. <laughs> Did you say continental? What, what was I supposed to say? Continental? No. Yeah, I can't. No, I can't say. It. I'm laughing because I can't say it myself. It's called continental. Yes. Oh. Um, oh, hang on. I'm talking about because it's a pun. I'm talking about actual yeah. continents shifting, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it's not what actually. And what they give supposedly isn't actually a good example of it, because these name the consonants in these names actually haven't shifted. <laughs> and also, if it's the same people, I would make, it would make more sense that the names had changed if it really was the descendants, because names do change. But again, um, but hey, is, you get the gist. This is big this me. Is the, this is big me. This is not well. But right well, now. no. Apparently, well, I don't know. Apparently, I think whatever it was I was reading about time. I think the about time book by uh, Lawrence Miles and Tatwood was saying it. This this is Terence. This is it stripped wow. back to Terence, Terence Dix's version. What Bidme did was spin it out into a huge Wikipedia article all about this, oh, and they have a really long discussion. And it's actually and Bidme's version was more accurate and more thorough and explained it more clearly. And um, Peter Moffat looked at it and was like. Peter Moffat turns to JNT probably and said, "Just give me the dicks, darling. I don't yeah. want. I don't want the bid made. I don't want the bid made. Just give me the dicks." Oh my god, was uh, Peter Moffat gay? I don't know. That was just my impression of him. Do you know what? I think he might have been actually. You know, I think I. I, think, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think. I think. I think Ron yeah. Jones was as well. I think there was a fair amount of gay directors doing the rounds of Doctor Who at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this bit here. Okay, this is amazing. Where he's like, um, "What we need is the inspection hatch," and she's like, "Doctor, doctor," and he's like, "Pramana, I found the inspection hatch." Really? <laughs> no, let's not even pretend. That's gods. nice. They're super cute together, and yeah. they get they get a scene. I think it's in episode three where they're they're stuck in the cell together, and he basically says, "I love you" to her. Oh yeah, yeah. he says, "Romana, you're brilliant," but in my eyes, that's I love you. <laughs> oh, here we go. He he gets very seductive with Adric in this scene. <laughs> so what, what, uh, oh, look, now look at this. Look at that Matthew Warhouse. He's absolutely nailing that blank, hypnotised, utterly emotionless look. He's I nailing it. This is the most nuance he's given so far in this story. <laughs> you know? I mean, I usually say when people are under mind control, they completely forget how to act but he couldn't remember how to act in the first place so he is the exception to the rule now i would just like to point out though that matthew waterhouse is a very charming man and has actually oh. uh, matured you know oh. back then he was teaching richard todd how to act nowadays yeah. nowadays he's oh, doing he's fabulous dvd extras with toby Haydo. yeah and um, and and this is where again is it the director's fault you've got a young you've got a teenager on set it's your job to get the best out of him, and others do. He's good in Earthshock. He's really good in Earthshock. In his final moments, especially. Um. <laughs> I, I, oh God, how old was Matthew Waterhouse here? Um, it's like eighteen or something. He's not that young. Thank, thank God not... for that. He's quite pretty, <laughs> isn't he? Like he is quite pretty. I, yeah, I suppose. I, I know. I know people who, who, who's he's their type. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, uh. <laughs> he, he be like, no, I mean, I don't, I don't personally get it, but yeah, you, you'd be much better off roughhousing one of the peasants. 
that we're in an area <laughs> of peasants. But look, they're, look, they're Camilla's all over it. They're literally, they, start, they can't wait to get him. Well, and this is an interesting, yeah, I mean, so this is an inversion, isn't it, of, um, uh, uh, Oh, no, it's not. No, I'm saying this is this is this is what happens to Jonathan Harker in in um in Dracula. He gets seduced by Dracula's maidens. Oh, and they, you know, they oh I've got that wrong. Vampires of Venice, don't they? <laughs> when it's the doctor, yeah. all those maidens come in to. <laughs> yeah. Very strange bit that they've done on film here. I mean, where is this ladder? Well, they've just gone to some ladder. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. God knows. No, they went to a special location. Yeah, they, yeah, I've got no. Yeah, they went to a special location to film it where there was a ladder. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's funny how the location footage is all so um, autumnal looking because it was actually shot in the spring. It's just there must be filters on the lens, maybe, mm. or to make it look more golden and Tom Baker and, and all the burgundy and the brown that they're wearing just well, makes I, it feel really autumnal. They kind of bled the color out of all. You know, it's quite dark. The costumes and the sets are music mm. colors like think of like but that's deliberate because think of like the leisure hive and that's in full technicolor isn't it you know yeah yeah so they're making the other stories distinctive aren't they? like you said it's like having tone as if they've been having proper tone meetings like they always would now well sometimes i question that but yeah what happened <laughs> come, what happened come paradise towers then they didn't have a tone meeting then did they the director and the script no. writer were on two completely different pages <laughs> yeah and whoever made the costumes really took the ultimate. Once you once you put Richard Briers in that costume, what else can he do? He's not. You can't downplay it when he's dressed like that, like a like a comedy Hitler. Now, um, I will say that I don't think these peasants, these rebels, are the best characterized uh, people in Doctor Who ever. They're a bit unmemorable, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're generic oppressed people of the kind that we've seen a lot of over the past few years in particular. I mean, it's just a, a, the type of people you get in Doctor Who um, these days, these days being the years running up to 1980. I swear to God, Terrence Six makes a comment on, on the disposability of the characters in this, where he, he has um, Orcon go, was it, then die. That is the purpose of gods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah! That's a yeah. wicked line. That's a lovely line, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, this is <laughs> climbing up and down that ladder again. But um, they spent a day yeah. doing that. <laughs> Paddy Kingsland, I think, is the champion of this story. Oh, look, and the, uh, let's just talk about his beard. Amazing, <laughs> just William Lindsay as um as the other one, the one who's not Orcon. Um, I know a bloke right who spends a, a great deal of time in front of the mirror. Like uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, he's perfectly coiffured. But I think perhaps um, Zargo spends a little bit more time in front of the mirror because that must take some effort <laughs> every day. Like, or maybe he just gets up and glues it on each morning. So let me see if I can remember this <gasps> right. Okay, so these are panel. these are space travelers, aren't they? That have landed on this planet. Yeah. Yes. In this, spaceship, but at the moment, which is the tower. But at the moment, we're meant to be thinking. Well, we're. We're meant to be a step ahead of them, and but, but but we're supposed to be thinking that they are the descendants of the original crew, as it was with Full Circle last story. But, but the twist is going to be that actually, the yeah. Crew. But, but when were they turned into vampires? Uh, soon, as soon as the Great Vampire got hold of them, because didn't the Great Vampire lure them there? Well, we'll find out. I think that that will be in oh. in episode four. Yeah, but he's <laughs> massive. How did he bite them? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't even explain it. We just sort of go with it. Oh, oh this, this is amazing. Lovely, yeah, the heart. Lala's doing some lovely. This is something mysterious. Do you know what he should say there? 
I can hear the heartbeat of a killer. You know that's from, right? What's that from? That's from Dimensions in Time, right at the beginning. Oh, somehow I don't know that. <laughs> oh, please, shame on you. Do the Cersei Game of Thrones shame walk through the streets. <laughs> Look at this! Look at this set with a with a ramp on the ramp. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice that they've managed to make their um, castle so accessible for everybody. Oh god, they're climbing up and down the same ladder again. I genuinely think they probably spent about three hours going up and down this ladder. <laughs> Once, one more time, well, darlings. It's a, it's a big turret. It's a, it's a big tower. Right. Now, this story is fairly sedate, isn't it? Though, like, like. Through this episode, there's not been any action, has there? No, we're still sort of just investigating a mystery still. Yeah. Could we tolerate a story this sedately paced now? Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I would I would love it. And, and while I enjoy blockbuster Doctor Who, modern blockbuster Doctor Who, those aren't the episodes that I ever really go, go back to. I don't know about you, but for um, me, it's the one that's really... Spyfall. I will watch time and again. I love it. That's interesting. I like it, but I've never really been like, oh, I'll watch Spyfall again. Whereas I like ones that are, that just take me to one specific place and really get into it. Well, I like what, Orphan 55 by any chance? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's got. I think you have been known to watch every, that every now and again. It covers every single base. It, literally, whenever I watch an episode of Doctor Who now on the iPlayer, it comes up afterwards. Would you like to watch Orphan 55 again, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've learned me. Did you see that ghastly corpse? And, uh, yeah. Sucked yeah. of blood. All his blood sucked away. Oh, here we are. Look, it's all in a nice And I have they stopped it congealing. I don't, I don't really know. know how that but works. But can I do a musical scene for you? Because you're not going to be able to hear it. Ready? He says it is oh, yeah. it's blood, and then the music goes. <laughs> it's terrific. It's so good. It's terrific. A bit less rhubarb and custard on the actual episode. Yeah. What do you mean rhubarb and custard? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you made it. <laughs> oh now tom tom is back tom hasn't done this for years being this his um oh well or has he maybe he has and i've not been paying attention I, uh, but but it feels to me like this he's, he's really going back to his uh hinchcliffe years of acting and, and doing well horrifying rock isn't hinchcliffe years but you know what i mean uh that right. something terrible something more terrible than we can imagine You're he's right. taking it he's taking it seriously that's they what I mean. Tom Baker him. is taking the script seriously, he, rather he than was, acting as if it's beneath him. He was gonna, he was gonna run with it and do his own thing. And they would, bid me would come down on the set and say, "No, you say the script as it is. You act it as it's written." He's so good when he does that. He met his match in JNT and mm. Midmead, and and he weren't he weren't powerful enough to you know push against them. And Peter Moffat mm. tells a story in this. Where mm -hmm. Tom Baker's like, well, we're gonna we're gonna direct it like this. The camera's gonna be over there. We're gonna and Peter Moffat goes, right, fine, I'm off to the pub. See you later. And the second <laughs> the second Tom Baker realised that the director was gonna walk out again, he was like, mm. okay, well, well, let's do it your way then. You know, because so that happened in season. That's interesting. Because yeah, didn't that happen in season seventeen? That happened in um Alan Bromley, yeah, in Nightmare. Yeah, Nightmare. Yeah. yeah, and goes on to happen in Warriors Gate. Uh, that was directors fired in that one, but sure. um. Yeah, by all accounts, he's on his best behaviour in this one. And again, Lala's doing some lovely I'm frightened acting. Yeah, so you don't get enough. You wouldn't have Clara Oswald doing that, would you? 
she'd be there going, well, it's all right, oh, vampires, whatever. <laughs> and she'd have to be given a, a witty, flirty, quippy quip. Um, all right, Camilla, let's go and les up or something like that, <laughs> you know. Like... <laughs> wow, it's as if Moffat was actually writing that exact <laughs> sentence, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, got nothing on me. It's I could rewrite his scripts amazingly. <laughs> oh my god, look at that with the ground pulsating. Oh my god. I mean, people, right? I love that the doctor's gone back to being asexual again. I think it happened by accident. No one sat down and said, "We're going to make us an asexual superhero," but but um, but because that's just how it evolves. Oh, cliffhanger! Sorry. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> Close up on the eyes, heart yeah. pulsating floors. Now we're talking. And it's funny, I mean, all it, and it's a really odd one, because all he's actually saying is, yeah, hello, this is, this is where I am. Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's not like, and I am going to kill you. It's, it's not doing any of that. It's just like ominousness. About how mm. much I love those ripe, you know, overdone performances. This cliffhanger <laughs> is basically the promise of a scene in a second of a ripe and overdone performance. Yeah. And so it's strange that the following week, only... A million less people tuned in to watch. Really? Nearly a million. It goes down five point three for this, four point four for the next episode. But we'll talk about that at the start of the next episode, I guess. Does it go down yeah. again? Shocking. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, but yeah. Oh no, this is heartbreaking. Mm. Honestly, because it's it, it is just so beautifully started. I wonder if people thought it was old fashioned though. Sometimes I think when, when I so I, I love we love old things, don't we? We like Doctor Who. We're watching old telly. Mm. At the time, did some people think, oh, it's just doing a 1970s vampire film? I'm sick of them. We've had them all. We, we, I'm sick of all that 1970s hammer stuff. Uh, whereas now we just see it as awesome because we love it. I don't know. Because I, I, because otherwise, I'm just, after... I'm just trying to make sense of, of the madness of people not loving this story in 1980. Mate, you weren't watching it yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I was young. I was foolish. I was more interested in scarecrows. 